Hi, I'm your host, Lillian Yang. And I'm your host, Fakri Shafai, and you are listening to Food Nonfiction. In today's episode, we talk about a person who is described by the Oxford Encyclopedia of Food and Drink in America as one of the most famous Americans who never lived. I'm Betty Crocker, and I promise you a perfect cake every time you bake. Betty Crocker, a beloved icon with a rich history who touched millions of lives. She influenced opinions and even provided friendship and comfort. And she was created by an advertising team, an all-male advertising team, working for the Washburn Crosby Company, which is now called General Mills. The Washburn Crosby Company was a milling company, hence the eventual name of General Mills. They sold a product called Gold Metal Flour. In 1921, they put an ad on the back of the Saturday Evening Post. The ad consisted of jumbled puzzle pieces which you had to cut out and rearrange into the picture of a bustling town, with a gold metal flower sign in prominent view. The prize for rearranging the puzzle pieces correctly and then sending them in was a pincushion shaped like a tiny sack of gold metal flower. I actually looked for it on eBay. Could not find one. They got 30,000 responses, which was a huge and unexpected response. What was even more unexpected was the huge number of people that sent in cooking questions along with their completed puzzles. Customer mail was handled by the all-male advertising team. Whenever there were cooking questions, they'd ask the all-female staff of the Gold Medal Home Service Department for the answers. But with the new flood of questions coming in from the ad responses, the company decided to install a chief of correspondence. This person would be female, since the company's leaders didn't think their customers would trust kitchen advice that came from a man. And this person would be made up. So Betty Crocker was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota in 1921. Betty was her first name because it sounded bright and wholesome. Crocker was her last name because it honored the former director of the company, William G. Crocker. But we're telling her story because Betty became so much more than a fake chief of correspondence. When Betty was created, it was company policy that every customer letter asking for domestic advice had to be responded to immediately in a personal letter signed by Betty Crocker. That chipper, roundish Betty Crocker signature was that of Florence Lindbergh, an employee at the Washburn Crosby Company. Her version of the Betty Crocker signature was chosen in an informal contest, and she taught other female employees how to mimic it. Not surprisingly, they got more and more mail from customers, as this wonderful woman named Betty Crocker was reliably writing back with insightful advice. But this was only the beginning. Betty Crocker was building a loyal following that would bring her company safely through the Great Depression that was soon to come. Back in the 1920s, there were very few cookbooks. You couldn't just go on the internet to find recipes. That means that recipes only existed from being passed down by family members or shared with friends. So, updated recipes were scarce. But people really needed them, because modern-day appliances changed the way they cooked. 
For example, instead of a recipe telling you to bake something in a really hot oven, an updated recipe might tell you to turn your oven to a specific temperature setting. People couldn't get enough of Betty Crocker's recipes. Because the Washburn Crosby Company was an early adopter of radio technology, they were able to share their recipes in a whole new way. By 1924, over 2 million American homes had radios. In that year, Washburn Crosby launched a radio cooking show by its home service department. This was to replace in-person cooking demonstrations. Using the radio allowed the Washburn Crosby Company's well-educated, all-female home service department team to share their cooking and cleaning advice. Good morning. At last, I have the opportunity to really talk to you. The advice was often centered on how to catch or keep a husband. If you load a man's stomach with soggy boiled cabbage, we should be grateful that he does nothing worse than display a lot of temper. On Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the radio station aired Cooking Talks, hosted by Betty Crocker at 10.45 a.m. By 1925, there were two Betty Crocker shows, the Betty Crocker Service Program, and on Fridays, the Betty Crocker Cooking School of the Air. The cooking show gave out recipes for people to try, and then the members of the on-air cooking show were supposed to send in reports when they finished their lessons. Students also had to get their grocer to sign off that they were only using gold metal flour. It was easy to forget, but Betty Crocker's fabricated existence was there to sell product. Students that participated in the cooking school were able to eventually graduate in an annually broadcasted ceremony. Over a million people have graduated from the Betty Crocker Cooking School of the Air. Then came Marjorie Child Houston in 1927. A university graduate, she was promoted to director of the Home Service Department. One of her duties was scripting Betty's radio show, so she was really creating Betty's persona. Her influence developed Betty Crocker as a person. During the Great Depression of the 1930s, roughly 30% of men were out of work. And some of these men passed the time by participating in Betty Crocker's radio cooking show. May an unemployed husband join your cooking school of the air? If so, I would like to join. I am fortunate enough to have a good wife who is employed. But Betty Crocker did more than just provide something to do for the unemployed during the Depression. She also offered recipes for people on a budget and offered free nutrition classes. So... Betty Crocker was born after the First World War, she was helpful during the Great Depression, and she continued to be helpful during the Second World War, during which her recipes were adapted to accommodate the food rationing. In 1947, the Just Add Water cake mixes were released. General Mills was not the first to put out a cake mix, so there was already competition from companies such as Pillsbury. And Duncan Hines entered the cake mix market in 1951. So the battle of cake mixes was on in the years following the Second World War. Sales of cake mix weren't as good as expected. So General Mills consulted psychologists to try and figure out why their customers didn't want the super convenient cake mix. The psychologists believed that the cake mix took too little effort to make. So they added a step. They changed the cake mix, so you had to add not only water, but also eggs. And sales actually increased after this. 
So even if a cake mix didn't actually need egg in it, the box would say to add eggs because that's what's sold. Now you know who to blame when you have to buy eggs to go with your cake mix. For me, Betty Crocker has always been synonymous with those boxes of foolproof cake mix. I never wondered about her as a person, but I certainly thought she was a real person because there are cookbooks published under her name. Did you think she was a real person, Fakri? Honestly, I thought she was probably a real person way back when, and then she died and her kids sold her name or, you know, kept the family business is kind of the way I had thought it would have played out. Throughout the years, there have been many pictures of Betty Crocker. Her last appearance update was in 1996, when General Mills combined the pictures of 75 Betty Crocker fans, all winners of an essay writing competition, with the 1986 picture of Betty Crocker. If you want to see the different versions of Betty Crocker that have existed, visit our Facebook page because that's where we post all of our extra goodies. So if you're interested in finding out more about Betty Crocker, we highly suggest you read the book Finding Betty Crocker by Susan Marks. We heavily consulted this book while we were researching this episode, and we believe it's a really good resource for anybody who wants to find out more about this fascinating person that never lived. So if you've recently joined our show and you like what you hear, we would really appreciate it if you would review us on iTunes and let us know what you think. And you can always write into us at feedback at foodnonfiction.com. Have a great week, food buffs. Bye. <laughs>